Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Hello. 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 Sean, hello. Lindsay, good day. Is this thing on? Hello. Good day. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome everyone. That might just be one. We hope it's at least one. Every two. Welcome, every two. Every two of you uh, to the Two Marketeers podcast, where Sean and Lindsay seek to demystify the complicated world of marketing. Please welcome my co-host, rock star extraordinaire a la marketing and branding, Lindsay B. Wah. And hey, Sean. Yeah. Welcome. Everyone, welcome Sean, branding wise guy. <laughs> Woo! What's up? What's up, Sean? Sup, sup. Well, I don't know about where you are, but it is a beautiful September day. Is it? Can you believe it's September? Where is August? <laughs> I've been where is March? For it. Uh, did you where look under the July? bed? I don't want to ever look under the bed. <laughs> so, what's new? What's happening? What's hot? I know we talked about empathy, but you know, let's take a minute. Take a minute. Yeah, take a minute. What's new? I feel like I always start with this big rant on what's new, so I'm going okay, to turn so it back to you. What's new? What's new with you this time? Well, my, mine's uh, an observation. So it keeps coming up on my Netflix, but my eldest daughter, who is a lifelong Zac Efron fan, um, not going to lie, bit of one myself. I don't know why. I love Zac Efron. <laughs> and he has that new show or that show called Down Earth, and it just yes. comes up a lot. And I just haven't had much interest in Anyway, so my daughter had recommended to Simone, you know, let's, you should watch it. She lives out of the house and she was watching it and we're like, "Mm mm-hmm. And the premise was interesting. Um, I won't go into it, but basically we started watching it last night. And the first one was like, okay, this is, this is hard to watch. Was it? (laughs) Well, it was. So my husband's been watching it as well, but I haven't seen any of the episodes yet. Well, put it this way, it was hard to watch because it's him and another guy, and I think I'm just jealous, but there's a lot of dude. Dude, wow, bruh. Dude, wow, Oh, like wow, it's a bit too bruh. bro-y? And holy blank, holy blank. What's holy blank? Well, because they beep it out, so clearly they're... Oh, I thought that was a new to. phrase the kids are saying, and I was like, holy blank what? <laughs> I need to do... <laughs> like, they were at this religious shrine or something, and you hear the, his buddy there go like, holy blank! And you're like, mm, inappropriate. Call it the oh, Catholic yeah. me. But anyway, so, you know, I got past that. But what was really interesting was the topics and where they were going. You know, they're basically trying to find a really simple, like, examples of truly amazing examples of sus- sustainability and, and, and just redefining yes. social consciousness so anyways they just go all over the world and the first one was iceland and it was like oh my god the topic is so fascinating and so amazing that you just kind of like okay and you know like any show especially reality show i feel like the the people have to kind of you have to get comfortable with who they are but they also have to get comfortable with who they are you know what i mean i wouldn't say that zach efron is exactly a uh, a personality that people know a lot about do you know what i mean he's in movies he's in shows yeah he just seems very basic yeah so, I think this is his, his attempt to not be that. 
Yeah. So anyways, three episodes later, I binged three episodes. So I'd clearly gotten over that. Right. Um, fascinating stuff. Like I'm totally hooked on the Oh, content. really? Yeah. Some of the stuff was very moving. <laughs> and anyways, I'll leave it at that. I was really blown away. So good on you, Zach. And I can't remember the other guy's name, who's actually the one who was harder to deal with because he's got oh. this really deep, deep, he's a surfer. He's probably a, a little younger than me or he's just super fit and is my age or 70 and looks my age. Uh, but dude, so maybe that was hard. Maybe I was just jealous. <laughs> I wish I said dude and bra more, but I try. And then my bro- my, my son just basically tells me to don't ever do that. Again. Zip it. Yeah. yeah. The funny thing is that people are criticizing him mm. left, right and center for having a dad bod now because of this show. And he's like, and so my husband's watching it. Have you seen and him? And he's like, that's the thing. He's like, are you kidding me? This is what people are calling a dad bod. This is like a normal bot. Like is he so, is super This is fit. not normal. This right. is not even And it's like because he's not a 17 jacked like frat boy playing in some sort of movie and he's like trying to and he's not even like, that's not move even into a- his adult, you know, personality and grow up in Hollywood or whatever it is. Yeah, it's so funny. So Ben is completely offended and like so sad that <laughs> that's what a dad right. bod is. He's like, are you serious? Bod. Yeah. Dead- ben was hoping he had at least a dad bod, but now that's unachievable for us. I know who, yeah, I know. Like, what are you? I am all, not over Zach Efron. Well, this thing. is the thing. By episode two, Simone's like, I love Zach Efron. <laughs> so he has, he has transitioned to a completely new audience. Right. She's like, he had me at hello. And she couldn't say that. There was a time where that would have been totally inappropriate. Like creepy? Yeah. Like, hey, girls, isn't he hot? She's not that kind oh. of mom. She's not looking for friends with her daughters. She's just a great mom. Yeah. But anyways, so she said that three times. I'm like, okay. And I have to say, I'm a little in love with Zac Efron too. Those eyes, they keep, they show these these like close-ups. And I'm like, I did. I said, he has the most beautiful eyes. I know. He really did. Like, it's mesmerizing. (laughs) I have a show to tell you about. And maybe you've already. Recommended it to you? Maybe you know it. (laughs) Probably. I feel like I don't even want to say it now. But speaking of transition into a different type of role, it's this um, new show. It's a Netflix miniseries called The Spy. Have you heard of this? The Spy? Are you kidding me? Really? No. Did you tell me that? No, I have not heard. (laughs) I have not even heard about it. Really? Okay, so. I can't wait to recommend it back to you. Thank you. The main um, character is Sasha Baron Cohen. So known as Ali G and Borat, right? And he's, so it's a very dramatic and serious role where clearly he's a spy. Um, And it's so good. And he plays the character so well. And it's just, it's really... It's one, not one of those ones where you're like, oh, no, he's still Borat. Like, he, you totally believe him as this serious actor now. Um, and it's really, really interesting. It's like, I think it's six episodes, so it's just a mini series. But, um, yeah, you definitely have to go check it out. I watched one episode with my husband last night. I was captivated. As someone who even jumps into the middle of the series and didn't know really what was happening, um, it was super interesting. Yeah. And it filmed beautifully. And yeah, it was, you have to check that out. It was really, it's really good. So just out of curiosity, have you ever been told you look like Sasha Baron Cohen? 
And how is how would you react to that if you had only that? when he is playing Borat and he has that like bikini on where yeah, it's the just onesie? like the, the wrestling onesie yeah yeah only okay. the time that I also wore that <laughs> that someone said wow you guys look very similar I hope he was talking about your face <laughs> no okay he wasn't okay this is way too much fun <laughs> all right let's get to it okay fine this was good. All right. Empathy, Sean. Drum roll. <clears throat> Hit it. So empathy is a uh, hot word. Uh, it's a hot word with me because I've actually uh, written an, an article or two about it. I've done an entire webinar and learning uh, session about it. Um, and so I'm going to get schooled big time in this in this episode. Yeah, you'll, you're always getting schooled. I know I'm getting schooled. Um, so here it is. So, you know, empathy has always been something we've... And it is something we've talked about in our in our archive of never to be listened to uh, podcast camp sessions. Um, I say that, but they'll probably put out when we're famous. Um, so I, <laughs> I happened upon uh, this McKinsey article and you and I both love McKinsey. Um, it was published in, I believe, April of this year. So I find it very difficult to find um, what I would say um, interesting insights and data uh, sorry, actionable insights from data that's ha- that have come out since the the pandemic, right. but aren't all about the pan- pandemic. Like they're, they're very like, hey, this is what's happening now and everybody's pivoting, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, so so what does this mean? So I thought this was really great. I thought it was a little bold with them to put it out there in April because uh, you'd expect it, but I, I think compared to not hearing much else, uh, this was really, really insightful. So right. the... The, it's under their marketing and sales practice, and um, that's where you and I come from, um, understanding how the two can work together and how marketing can help contribute to sales. Um, the idea, the, the title of the article is Connecting with Customers in Times of Crisis. And the subhead is right. during, during the COVID-19 pandemic, companies that lead with empathy and genuinely, genuinely address customer needs can strengthen relationships. Okay. Great. Um, I think at the time of April, that's when, you know, empathy was definitely becoming a hot topic. But I think what's really great about this is it it puts together sort of a toolkit of things to consider and whether they're applied specifically, but there's some great learnings. Um, And to me, it's about the purpose of a brand. This is why I think for me, the purpose of the brand is to display empathy or to enact empathy and demonstrate the result of empathy. That is absolutely the result of uh, the, the purpose of the brand because the purpose of the brand is the part of an organization that needs to make a connection, right? Not right. the product. The product needs to serve a function, but the brand needs to make that human-like connection on an emotional level and, and solidify a relationship with a customer beyond just the quality of the product it's you know it's the it's the it's whether it's reputation mm-hmm. it's whether what it is the product the product's company is trying to do bigger picture and it's really the personality that maintains the relationship and continues to grow the relationship with customer all that to say that why i think this time is such a great time this article is so perfect is the idea of if if brands if companies didn't change how they s- addressed their customers, they 
what started to happen, and you and I talked about it, they started to uh, break the trust, whether they were aware of it or mm. not. We started to get annoyed when brands weren't addressing some big things, not just the, pandem- the pandemic, but some di- big things that were going on in 2020. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I think you talked about it last week, or we talked about it last week, where consumers, not just customers of a brand, but consumers were starting to demand it, right? They were saying, based on this company, I need to understand what your values are. And you need to start showing me so that I know that in this, where my world has blown up and completely changed, you need to speak to me differently and show me as a brand that has basically built this relationship with me that you care or that you understand, right? right? Yeah. And that's where I think the root of all this is. So what was really interesting is, um, I'll just quote right from the article in the in the intro, but it's saying, leading organizations are reorienting their customer experience efforts to meet their customers' primary needs. Great. But you, you, I'll stop there is to say that's kind of what they were supposed to do. And I think what's important here is I actually believe that the pandemic and all the things that happened in 2020, but especially the pandemic, didn't break how brands should connect with consumers. Mm-hmm. It got them back on a path where I, as I look back, I'm like, wow, we really got off the path. And right. we we started playing the game, not empathy game, but, oh, our consumers' needs or our customers' needs are number one, and that's why our CM, blah, blah, blah. But we just went through the motions that actually the pandemic allowed everyone to realize, whoa, where have we gone off track here? Because everything here is not, everything that they're saying here is, that's what brands should have done. But that's the beauty of this is to say, brands that realize that they got off the track need to reorient themselves. And that's the beautiful opportunity here. So companies that truly do reorient themselves and realize what the purpose of a brand is and how they utilize that brand to gain trust but it's not the brand that does it. The brand represents what the company does and what they believe in. So mm-hmm. what was interesting, though, is the reorientation was based on what are their needs? Because yeah. those needs have drastically changed. And they are safety, security, and everyday convenience. Before, it was really just about convenience. And uh, in front of those are safety and security. And that just wasn't a thing. Right? Right. So... <clears throat> That's what I think is so fascinating. These actions these actions of reorientating will inevitably speak louder than words in a world where companies are increasingly advertising a message. Advertising. I was surprised to see that word, but it's truly what we were doing. Of, we are here for you. So instead of just promoting by saying that, and a lot of companies did it, and it really started to tick me off and put me in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. It was they consciously provided empathy and care during a time of crisis and those that did it right that stopped advertising and started really trying to empathize and reconnect based on that are the ones that have done a great job so yeah, and i think it's it's because too there's um it was such the pandemic's been such a dramatic impact on people that it's also been a time to really be like to really dive into what people are going through. Like it's kind of yeah. because it's around one specific topic and it's had such dramatic impact. So 
it's not like you're like, oh, I just, I wonder what a mom normally goes through in a day when she's yes. taking her kids to the playground. It's like you've lost your job. You're on government support. Yep. Your retailers are closed. Like there's such dramatic points for us to say, okay, we need to actually look at people and what they're feeling and what they're going through now because um, if we don't and we just talk about the normal things that we used to talk about, then our it's going to be a completely tone deaf message that won't resonate with anyone. And like you said, we'll just turn people off. Yeah, exactly. And, and to say that's where we bring back the, how many of us were waking up in the morning with keeping ourselves and our families safe being the number one thing starting our day. So now going to the store, even in retail, you know, when you think of grocery and stuff like that, going to the store contradicted the most important thing to many people every day now. I cannot yeah. expose myself, right? So, you know, either you, you, you're you willing to pause as a company and say, okay, we really need to understand what's most important to them because what's most important to them right now wasn't even on the radar unless it was some kind of a safety-driven offering, right? right. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So essentially, I mean, the article just talks about seven actions to demonstrate empathy for customers. And I won't go through it in detail. I mean, if you want to Google it, it's McKinsey and Company and connecting with customers in, uh, in times of crisis. When Lindsay and I have our website up and going, we'll tell you to go to it. <laughs> go to our mm -hmm. website. We've got links uh, under our episode three, Empathy. But what I love about it is it talks about these seven things. But what it does a really good job, you know, things like minimizing the risk, you know, how, how are you addressing the fact that you understand that your goal as a brand is to help them minimize their risk um, and contribute to the safety of not just them, but the employees. So think of especially uh, grocery um, as much as they were doing great jobs. A lot of them came under fire for being like, oh, they're now making their employees work harder and or now they're putting them back to regular and all that sort of stuff. So it's a very tricky situation on all fronts. Um, you think about how do you bring joy, right? Because that is what a lot of brands, you know, it's the surprise and delight. How do you bring joy, um, not to someone who's just getting through their day to day, but someone who literally feels trapped at home, right? Right. How, yeah. how do you be that same product that might not have been as necessary, that was frivolous? Um, and are you even that product anymore? And if you're not, then don't say any, don't be part of that conversation. Don't be part of the conversation if you don't have a justified right to be part of it. So all that sort of thing. But what was really interesting about the this wheel that they create with the seven things is they put them all into a grouping of what I will call context. Context of what the reality is now, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the context of the things that are most important to them is, like I said, individual safety for everyone, right? Yeah. Security and stability as, as, I, I, as I strive to stay safe. How do, to, how do I stabilize and how do I feel secure? Uh, you know, because they're more emotion based than the actual safety itself. Right. Um, then, of course, then comes convenience and ease of use, which kind of was number one before. But it comes after that. What does convenience and ease of use mean to me now based on those other two much more contextual factors? Yeah, and it's interesting how they're kind of lining to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it's like most Ooh. of these have then been reduced down to that very basic need, which typically isn't where we try to address people in marketing and branding. Um, yeah. And typically we play in marketing and branding with a lot of brands in those upper levels where it's not necessarily 
um, your basic level of need. Right. And all this, and then the, the last one is emotional bond and a feeling of trust. And I think branding and marketing in the last while we forgot, we've used those words, but not really. It wasn't about a bond. It wasn't about a trust. It was about loyalty, conversion, and all that sort of stuff. That stuff still applies, but when you see empathy as the reason to do it, it then defines and forces a, a pause, think about it, and really understand the context. And the context has been flipped on its head, but what's great is it's it's created these sort of a new process or it's reminded of us of what works out of basic right. logic and the right sort of stuff that marketing practice and brand best practices do and to remember the idea is to gain their trust and an authentic trust right and look at look at Lindsay you converted me authenticity <laughs> right but authenticity comes from empathy you can only be authentic if you truly understand what the needs of them are and stay authentic in your approach right in in your yes. in your in your um intent yeah so <clears throat> i think that's it's, great it's a it's really, just really interesting great i think article. sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say it is a really interesting article and definitely worth people's time to go look up that wheel and how they apply yeah um, yeah and then just in in closing is you know it just says forging lasting connections with customers that is what marketing is right we forget that part at least if you're strategic about your marketing is you're trying to forge forge i love that word lasting mm-hmm. connections yeah right and you don't do that you, i think what a lot of companies are realizing is we need to reforge right right we need to reorient and then reforge and i love the words they use and i'll just read the closing is during during times of crisis leading companies are pivoting from marketing to helping and from fulfilling customer desires to meeting customer needs. Yes, yeah. This is a big opportunity to bring marketing to a whole new level where marketing is the output of reorienting and changing your thinking from helping. Mm -hmm. How do you market how you're helping and how are you making that help happen through marketing, not the other way around? Yeah, and Um, in a way that stands out too, because I think when you read, especially during a time like this, all the different things that brands are doing for people and relief funds and this and that, it all ends up kind of sounding the same. So it's also Mm -hmm. very hard to stand out when everyone's jumping on the bandwagon. And it's not that they shouldn't because Mm -hmm. brands have a lot of power and influence and money to be able to help people during this time. But it's very hard to have a message that stands out and resonates. And that kind of goes back to making sure that it's something that your customer or your consumers value. And that's the the impact that you're trying to make is again something that's hyper relevant and important to them and hopefully in that way it's the the way that your message can stand out in kind of a um you know, re- relief way. fund washed time but, but an act based on an action not just a promotion yeah. of, a, of a message yeah. right it's, it's marketing is becoming a lot less about messaging it's becoming more about doing and messaging how you're doing it yeah um, just in I closing, love that. I think that's great. Leading in a caring, empathetic manner during, it says these difficult times. 
Uh, and it's true, but I think it goes far beyond that. But leading in a caring, empathetic manner during these difficult times has the potential to create real connections. And that's what brands do. That right. will outlive the social and economic impacts of the pandemic. Boom. And large companies yes. should consider it a duty to serve the communities in which they do business. And I think it's that the first thing you got to recognize is it is your duty. It, right. And and those that are duty-based, I just said duty, sorry. Those that are duty-based <laughs> and duty is based on action and marketing is the way to communicate said action. It's a total flip of what marketing was perceived as up until this. Yeah. I, bad rap. You talk, it's I a know, bad rap. I love how, well, I love how that you kind of closed it on the fact that it's a duty or <clears throat> a mandate because... Um, so when I was kind of looking around again on an empathy and getting some of the most kind of up-to-date information, I checked out this Forbes article called Are Marketers Equipped for the New Empathy Brand Mandate? Which is kind of what you were just talking about, that it's a it's a mandate or something that you're um, a duty to, to carry out. So it started to talk about how a recent Ipsos poll conducted on behalf of PepsiCo Beverages, North America, finds that Americans, so this is U.S., but there's a lot of similarities in North American, um, that Americans believe it is now more critical than ever that brands demonstrate empathetic qualities and take action to maintain customer loyalty and support. In response, companies have described empathy as the brand mandate from this point forward. So that aligns, yeah, it aligns really well to what you were just talking about. But empathy for me is a very, it's a hard topic because, and I don't know why I struggle a bit to wrap my, my brain around it when we say brands should be empathetic. And it's because like, Lindsay, why you is have, that? You have no empathy. You're just Well, maybe because get this. So, well, I think that if you say it to someone as well, who isn't in strategy and consulting and mm -hmm. things like we are, and you say your brand should be empathetic. They're like, okay, great. Like, how do I make my brand show empathy like a person would? And interestingly enough... Experts estimate that around 20% of the population is genetically predisposed to empathy. So empathy is not something that is found in everyone. It's, it's something that can be learned, but only 20% of the population is genetically predisposed. And when I think about empathy and a brand, it then, it takes me down to that it's not actually like the brand that's empathetic. It's the people who work for the brand who can display empathy towards the people that they are trying to sell their products to. So say that it, again. It's the people who work for the brand who are trying to show empathy towards the people who are, they are marketing their products to or trying to sell their products to. So it's not the brand per se that is empathetic. It's the people who work for the brand that can help the brand move closer towards empathy. Okay. And if you and if you think about it in that 20% of the population is genetically predisposed to empathy, that's only about 20% probably of the people who work for said company that are genetically predisposed to empathy. So it's not like you just say, we need to be more empathetic now and everyone turns on their empathy switch and now the company's empathetic. It's something but that I just you, bought. I just bought an empathy switch on Amazon. It's coming today. Is that like that Staples button? Yeah. What does it say when you hit that thing? 
it says, oh, is that oh, really that true? Was... <laughs> I, goes, I understand. That was easy. I was, that was easy. I understand. That was understand. easy. And so this is how, so they, in this article, this Forbes article, they talk about it like this. And when you say it like this, you're like, yeah, how do people actually do this? So it says, given the call for empathy came from PepsiCo, we'll use them as an example to compare the consumers of the brand with the people of the brand. So it says, according to Mark Media data, the typical Pepsi drinker came into this pandemic with no better than a high school education and a household income under $40,000. Keep in mind, again, this is U.S., but we can pull yeah, similarities. They may, be, they may well be among the 14.7% of Americans that have lost their job during the epidemic or are essential workers putting their health on the line daily as they face food insecurity and eviction of their homes. In contrast, PepsiCo marketer has at least a bachelor's degree, given they work for PepsiCo, and it's from a good university. They still have a job. It's likely well-paid. During the pandemic, they're likely working from home as a non-essential worker. PepsiCo consumers and PepsiCo marketers are experiencing the pandemic in completely alternate universes. So they need to figure out how to bridge the gap between the two universes in, and the key to it is understanding um, and insights that are derived from empathy. But we can't assume that all marketers have that. So that I think that is like, this blew my, I was like, yes, this is why it's so hard. You can't just say the yeah. brand needs to be empathetic because it's the people at the brand and only 20% of people are genetically predisposed. And if you're looking at two alternate universes, like they describe in with the PepsiCo example. It's not one solution. It's just really hard. Yeah, it's hard. So um, even I think in in the 2008 recession, a lot of brands, you know, or a couple of brands did some really great things. And a lot of brands in this pandemic are now taking lessons from 2008. Um, And Hyundai in 2008 launched an assurance program where they were letting customers return their car if they lost their job. Like no questions asked, no penalties, no fees, um, no nothing. It's just that you know, we'll take your car back if you don't need it or if you can't afford it and we won't, we're not going to hassle you about it. So, and it's amazing. It's an amazing case study. So Google, yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think a lot of brands now in this pandemic have taken lessons from, from Hyundai and other brands like that in 2008. But, um, I think for me, the reason why I struggle with just saying brands need to be more empathetic, it's that I think they need to, um, have more empathetic people or try and teach the people that work for the brand the concept of empathy and how to get there in order for them to make some of those important shifts. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. This is good. Yeah. I think, yeah. And I think it's the idea of, I don't think the mandate is brands. You need to be empathetic is as you reorient yourself when you know, you, you know, when forced to have to, have some empathy at the cost of losing customers. Do you know what I mean? Is to say, then how can empathy become a core part of your existing processes? And from my experiences, I do believe I'm one of those people wired for that, good and bad. Yes. Um, User experience is the experience that I have where I would really thrive. So you and I, actually what's interesting, Lindsay, is I find that as you've definitely moved up in the in the world as a strategist for big brands the 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 service i utilize you for most 
is actually empathy based. And even though you might not be one of those people, you actually establish and and definitely uh, gravitate toward processes that in their nature are empathy. So when you yes. talk about germ- journey mapping, it's a science. But the journey mapping and, and, and that science is so that maybe those who are not predisposed to empathy doesn't matter is the process forces you to think, to gather the amount, the right data to truly be able to formulate how you think they must feel. So yes. someone like you, that's the beauty of you go find that someone like me as the creative aspect of that takes it and goes, OK, I get what you're saying. I can actually put myself in that situation as a person whose job in the past has been to architect experiences or, you know, create truly, um, you know, brand positions that truly do come from a we understand the problem mm-hmm. that your brand is trying to fix. So I, I love how you're struggling with it, but that's you'll always struggle with it. But your benefit, the benefit you bring and the value you bring is that you're aware that it doesn't come naturally. Therefore, you put the systems and trust the systems in place that enable and ensure that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So and it, I think, yeah, I think because it doesn't come maybe as naturally to me, I push so hard for it to ensure that it's, yes. that it's included. And so yes. I think... Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying is right. And I would even say with the work that I do, and I'm not sure that we've done this element of it together before, but even a precursor to journey mapping um, would be empathy mapping. So we do an exercise um, or a process called empathy mapping. And I think, you you know, has started originally in, as you had just said, Sean, in UX and a lot of trying to understand exactly what a user is going through in a digital element. Empathy mapping is now something that is a tool as a strategist that I use across the board for a variety of different reasons. And it's really the process of diving into what are people thinking? What are they seeing? What are they saying? What are they doing? What are they gaining? What are their pains based on all of that? Um, it's absolutely and, empathy, but everything. Yes. Like I've seen your journey maps and maybe because you truncate them, but it's like, it, it's creepy to me because it, it's like, oh my God, like I, I can't get that deep because I be, I'm too empathetic. Like I, I don't right. have that objective view of, okay, then how do we fix this? That's where you come in, right? right. You can come in yeah. and just be like, okay, well, I have the data. I can turn this into a more subjective solution or I'm sorry, I should say, objective solution so i think what it this whole thing of empathy is it's it's just a key factor in true strategic planning yes it is and and then that it needs to influence tactical plans exactly because it all begins there and so i think that's actually a good takeaway from all of this if you're a brand or marketer who's, you know, listening to this and you're like, yeah, it is really hard just to turn on the empathy switch and I'm not sure I'm empathetic and I don't know if I have a bunch of empathetic people at my company. It's that I think it can, A, start with either identifying empathetic people at the company or using tools and processes or hiring people who do this type of thing like we do um, that you can start to use things like empathy mapping as a great first place to start. So going through the lens of, especially during a time like COVID and as COVID evolves and post COVID, continuously going back to an exercise like empathy mapping to evolve with your consumers and shoppers to say, what are they thinking now? What are they doing now? What are they saying now? What are they acting upon now? And how is it shifting 
and how we can continue to be there for them in ways, like you say, that that are really authentic and actually resonate because you're putting yourselves in those the shoes of those people. How can we continue to? There it is. It's right? not a one and done. This I is know, like. I know. You just said is we have to call that out. Empathy is an on. You don't. You can't have windows of empathy. Empathy is ongoing. So. I think, you know, like you said, to, to wrap up, you know, the importance of empathy is don't fool yourself into thinking that empathy is core to your values, but empathy is a, a crucial approach to remaining agile at a strategic level. Because if you don't constantly try and understand or have the processes or sciences in place that ensure that the act of, you know, always checking in to say, how are they feeling? What are they doing? How can I help? That is an ongoing thing, and it happens at the truly strategic level. It's not a silo. It's not like, oh, we're part of the empathy department now. I'd be interesting. I'll be honestly, <laughs> I'll be honest. Is there that you know, chief empathy officer like that? I could totally see yes. something like that happen. It's not a thing. It's a way, and and I think it all wraps up with we're not telling you to be something you're not, but stop trying to be something that is of no value to your customers. And, you know, now is a huge time to accept and acknowledge that and don't hold trophies up to brands who are doing it best by their tactics, which we tend to do. We celebrate, you know, commercial, the best and creative and the, is it's just a way of going to market and starting at the very beginning. There's a lot of levers, right? We talked about levers with our client yesterday. The, the empathy lever needs to be pulled just as regularly as the budgeting lever and the cost lever um, and, and the best way that you can think about, okay, maybe we're not naturally empathetic. However, we understand its importance. What are the, what, what are the things we do in our process that ensure we can remain an customer empathetic first. brand? Yeah. It's all about being customer first. Yeah. Because if you believe that you should be putting people first and resonating with people, the place that it needs to begin and the foundation needs to be empathy. Boom. That's it. Thank you so much. Really great chat. Yeah. I love this topic and I'm sure we'll be coming back to it. I'm sure we will. Thanks, Lindsay. Have a great week. Have a great week too. Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.